then that blessing comes to them and all they have to do is just kind of be there and have their hands out and it's much more kind of this this nice little kumbaya we just kind of sit around waiting for it to come that is not what the bible teaches that is that is not faith okay that kind of static it may seem like it's nice it may may feel you know somewhat comfortable that we can just sit around with our hands out but the fact of the matter is this the bible says that the kingdom of god suffers violence and the violent take it by force so there is not a static aspect to faith faith is dynamic faith is active faith is laying hold faith is reaching out beyond where i'm at it's aggressive faith is not casual in the slightest and, and, and so I, I really want to challenge us in our thinking because God wants us to do something. He's always wanting us to do something. Uh, what are we willing to do? Uh, and it's, it's, if you really analyze it and look at it, this is the great hindrance as to why people don't advance and move forward. Either they don't know what to do or they're unwilling to do what they know to do. Okay, they don't, they don't know what to do, so they're ignorant of what God's plan is for them. Or two, they're lazy and not willing to implement what God's already showed them to do. Uh, and so that's where most people fail to experience what God has for them. And I, and I want to I talk a little bit about that this, today uh, in the area of, of leadership. Uh, because God wants every one of us to advance. That's what God wants. God's not wanting you to stay where you are for the next 30 years. That's why vision is always out in front. Faith is always out in front. Faith is always seeing something that doesn't yet exist. And activating my uh, uh, energies and my uh, decisions in order to lay hold of what God wants to do. So God wants to increase your money. Thank God for where we are financially, but God doesn't want to leave us where we are financially. Uh, God wants to increase your numbers. Pastors, He wants you to grow. Okay? Uh, God wants to increase your giftedness. Uh, you have, can have greater giftedness. You can have greater ability, greater capacity. God is always in the growth business. Uh, and healthy things grow, all right? Amen. And so this is something that's very important for us as leaders. And I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And I want to talk a little bit about that uh, in, in regard to uh, moving ahead, growth, advancing, and talk about how to manage that. And I'll come to that in just a minute. But... I want to just define for you for a second, and I, I like Zig Ziglar's definition of success, that success is not a destination, but success is a journey. If you ask most people, what does success look like, they will always define their success as someplace ahead of where they currently are, okay? It, it has some, you know, all right, we are wherever we are numerically here at at one church in our various communities, our total communities, maybe individual communities, wherever you are, and you say, well, you know what? If I could only get to X, I would be successful. 
And uh, yet when you get to, to X, if you're truly honest, you're not going to be satisfied with X. Because success is not about a destination, success is about a journey. I remember a number of years ago, I was at Ueda Full Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea, the largest church in the world. Now, if anybody would think that you would be satisfied at a certain level, you would think David Yonggi Cho ought to be satisfied. I, I, I was there the Sunday that they reached, are you ready for this? 700,000 people in their church. And I, I will never forget it as long as I live because he had said to his wife constantly, if I reach 700,000 people, I'm going to be satisfied. However, when he reached 700,000 people, he was not satisfied. Now, you would think if anybody's going to be satisfied, any pastor you know got 700,000? I'm like, hey, you know, I, I, I'll take 100,000, you know. You know, I'll take 10,000, you know, but, 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 you know, <laughs> what, what does success look like? And, and I, I remember as, as, as David Yogi Cho stood up and he said, we are going at, for 800,000 people. And I'm thinking, did I just hear this correct? His wife had told him again and again and again, you've got to change the way you're doing things. You've got to slow down. You, you've got, where will you be satisfied? He said, I'm satisfied at 700. Yet when he got to 700,000, he wasn't satisfied. He was going for 800. Why? Because faith is always out in front. Listen, if you're going to live in faith, you're always going to live past where you currently are. All right? You're always going for more than you currently have. You're talking about increase in money. You're talking about increase, Jeff says amen. Increase in uh, uh, numbers, increase in baptisms, increase in, in people responding to altar calls. You're talking about some tangible measurements of what faith looks like, okay? So faith looks like something. Expectation looks like something. Looks like a place where I'm currently not at. It looks like a place where I am headed for. Yet, so if, if success is a destination, is, is not a destination but a journey, that means no matter how much I attain, there's still more to attain. No matter how much I've received from God, there's still something more to receive. However, that creates the problem. It's what John Maxwell calls the law of the lid. Okay? It's his first of his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, and that is the law of the lid. And here it is in its essence that your leadership ability creates a ceiling to your uh, uh, effectiveness. Your leadership ability creates a ceiling to your effectiveness. And every one of us have a ceiling. Okay? Now, David Yonggi Cho, his ceiling obviously was at 800,000. He did get the 800,000. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are there now, but uh, it's safe to say there are a few more than we have here at one church. Uh, in fact, they, they so impacted the South Korean culture that they literally were, now, in his lifetime, they went from being a dominant Buddhist and animist nation to a nation where more than half the population are born-again Christians. 
I'm talking about that makes, that, that makes a statement. More than 25% of the armed forces are full-on, passionate, going-after-God believers. Now, that, that, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. That's kind of like New Testament, wouldn't you say? I mean, they turned the whole nation upside down. Uh, that, that looks like the book of Acts. So, God wants to bring us beyond where we currently are, but there is a law of the lid. And that law of the lid is me. Okay, it's my leadership effectiveness, my ability. In other words, if I'm you, everybody, you wonder why you are where you are. Let me just make it real simple. You are where you are because that is your capacity. Okay? I don't, don't shout me down now. It is your capacity. Your capacity is your lid. It's your lid. Now, does that, if, if I was saying to you that that's all you're going to ever get, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. You're thinking, my goodness, if that's all I'm going to ever get, if, I, if what I've got is all I'll ever have, then I'm not satisfied. I'm going to live the rest of my life with this sense of, of, of dissatisfaction, of never accomplishing anything that's in my heart. But the fact of the matter is this, that God wants to increase your leadership capacity. God wants that. In fact, I, I, I was talking to, to Pete just a little while ago, and we were talking about uh, what it says in Deuteronomy 8.18 uh, in regard to finance. For it is God that gives you the power to get wealth that He might establish His covenant in the earth. And that word power, one of the there's a threefold aspect to that word power. First of all, it's wisdom and insight in order to, uh, or, or, or creative understanding. So there's this, this creative component to uh, power. Uh, the last, it's a, it, it, the third is that there's a, a, an energy to create an enterprise. But the second is increased capacity. So it's, it's three things. It's, it's wisdom and creativity. It's increased capacity. And then it's energy to carry it out. And uh, we were kind of laughing, talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's got a huge increased capacity. Uh, One of the reasons why he's so successful, that man doesn't sleep. I mean, he's got a lot more hours in his day than I've got in my my day. He's got an increased capacity physically. He He sleeps two and a half hours a night. Now, you try that. Can you imagine? Now, he's got a full extra work day in his schedule. No wonder he's doing so much. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that adds to it. I mean, but, uh, but, (laughs) yeah. So what the point I'm making is this. Don't get stuck where you are. You have a lid and you are that lid. Now, how do I deal with the lid in my own life? Well, the first thing I think we have to do is we have to be honest about our lid. Okay? Don't deny the truth. Don't deny the truth. Don't look at what, where you are and say, well, I'm really not where I'm at. You know, there is a victim mentality that has crept into the church that I'm where I'm at, not because it's my fault, but it's because everybody else's fault. All right? If only I had this. In other words, the reason why, you know, you, you mentioned Gateway a little while ago and Robert Morris. 
If only I had the money Robert Morris has got, I would be as successful as Robert Morris. Can I tell you something? That's not true. That's not true. You are as successful as your lid currently allows you to be. Now, we don't like hearing that because we don't like to be that forthright and that honest. The reason Robert Morris has what he has is because his capacity has allowed him to get what he has. He has believed God for it, I promise you. He has had to fight for it, I promise you. He's had to reach out and lay hold of it, I promise you. There's had, there is some corresponding action because God doesn't love Robert Morris any more than he loves you. God doesn't love Yongi Cho any more than he loves you. So, am I willing to address the real issues in my life? The Bible says this in Proverbs, that a man's ways are right in his own eyes. What does that say? What that says is this, that no matter where you are, you think you're okay. Because you measure yourself with yourself, and you think, you know what? I know what I, what's in my heart, and I know why I don't have what I want to have. And it's because somebody else hasn't given me what they need to give me. They're being disobedient, therefore I'm not getting what I need to have. You follow what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is this, that every man is a free moral agent before the Lord. And you have the capacity to get exactly what the current faith level in your life has produced. In other words, you're not, you're not going to produce any more or any less than your current faith level. And so the first thing we have to understand, we've got to be honest about where we are. We have to measure ourselves willingly and openly and not play the blame game. We've got to say, you know what, I am where I am, but I don't have to stay where I am. Okay? I may be where I'm at, but by God's grace, I'm not going to stay where I'm at. So the first thing you need to do is you need to be honest with yourself. The second thing you need to do is to learn how to step in and cooperate with what God wants to do in expanding you from where you are. God never wants to leave us where we are. God is always wanting to take us more further. And I, I will tell you from my own experience that I want more in my life than I currently have. I am believing God for more. I've got some dreams that I don't want to die, to die when I go to be with the Lord. I, I've got some things that God's put in my heart in the way of a call and, and some things that I, I want to see realized in my lifetime that I'm not willing just to let go whenever that time comes in my own life. Uh, I heard one person say this, and I think it, it, it certainly bears repeating, that one of the saddest things about a graveyard is all the dreams that died when the people died. I wonder how many dreams died with people. Unrealized expectation, dreams that God had perhaps put in people's hearts, yet they never saw them because they never laid hold of them. Listen, I think there all, ought to always be something stirring in our heart. There ought to always be something that's energizing us in faith and stretching us in faith and causing us to reach out for more in God. And so we have to learn, first, to be, be honest with ourselves. And second, we have to learn to be willing to deal with 
the issues in a ruthless manner, and I use the word ruthless, <coughs> in a ruthless manner in order to produce change in our life. You'll never get to where you are called to go if you don't deal with your own lid in your life. And I, I find it interesting when I examine the Scripture, there were some components of leadership that you start seeing emerge. And I want us to look in Acts chapter 6. All of that was, by, by way, just extra. I just gave you that. I just gave you that because that was in my heart. Uh, but, but I want us to look at Acts chapter 6, and, uh, and, and let's just examine this from the standpoint of uh, a uh, principle, drawing principles. In verse 1, it says this, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. In verse 5, it says that the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, I, I want to just emphasize a couple of things. I stuck my phone somewhere. Thank you. I was just looking at looking for it. Uh, I got 10 minutes. How in the world? Um, I, I, I want to just address this from a, from a leadership uh, perspective. I want you to stop and think about something. Here there's this awesome, awesome move of God there are people being saved, people coming to the Lord. Yet, the fact is that they ended up hitting a ceiling. They hit a ceiling. Now, I will tell you, in church life, there are multiple, multiple ceilings. Okay? Uh, statistically, there have been people that have done studies on this. And there are ceilings and there are, are reasons why you have these ceilings. I mean, they talk about a ceiling being around 80, a second ceiling being around 100, another ceiling being around 150, another ceiling at 200, another ceiling at 300, then 500, then 1,000, that all of those are literal numerical ceilings. That every time you come to a ceiling, and most of you are at a ceiling right now. I, I, I've, I watch your numbers and I think about things and I go, we're bumping up a ceiling against the ceiling. We're bumping up against the ceiling. And there are ceilings, and God wants to break you through those ceilings and take you to another level. Look, if you're going to expand, if you're going to grow, God wants to take you to another level. God wants to take you past where you currently are. And I promise you, if you examine your numbers, you'll say, you know what? We've been bumping up against this ceiling for months now. 
We're at the same place, and we don't seem to be able to get through. Why? This container right here, I don't know how many ounces it is. Whose is it? Justin's. How many ounces is this? 16 ounces. How much can I put in this? 16 ounces. So if I get a gallon jug of water and I pour in there, how much is going to go in there? 16 ounces. No matter how much water I'm putting in, I'm still going to only hold how much? 16 ounces. If I want to hold more water, what do I have to do? I have to get a bigger container. I have to change the structure in which I'm putting it in. One of the challenges, I need, I need that one. I need a 24-ounce, 32-ounce. Uh, I need a 32-ounce container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the structure or the organization actually determines my level. Okay? You are at your ceiling in your church, not only because of your leadership in the area of your own personal ability, because leadership is personal, but leadership is also organizational. Okay? You have a capacity, but your church has a capacity. Your church literally has a capacity, and it is directly connected to the number of leaders you release. Okay? There is a statistical fact that for every leader you release, your church will grow by 10. So there is a 10 to 1 relational component between leadership and growth. If I want to see more growth, what do I have to do? I have to release more leaders. If I don't release more leaders, I won't see more growth. It's just a, a fact of life. There is a certain limited component to our growth potential, and it is directly connected to the number of leaders that we release. Here in Acts chapter 6, they hit a ceiling. And one of the manifestations of a ceiling is this. I promise you it won't be long. Either you're in this or you will get in it. There will get can be complaining. Because people focus on one of two things. Either they're focused on vision and expansion and where you're taking them, or they turn inward and start focusing on themselves. And as soon as they turn inward and start focusing on themselves, complaining will start coming up. You will see a symptom of your inwardness of your community because you'll see complaining. Because as soon as people start looking at themselves and start navel-gazing, guess what? They start finding problems. But if you keep them focused on vision and where you're taking them, guess what? They don't have time to focus on problems. That could not have come at a better time. That is heaven saying an amen. <laughs> yes. That could not happen at a better moment. As soon as, let me repeat that, as soon as you focus on vision, complaining stops because they don't have time. <laughs> so I want you to look here. The first thing, the first principle I want, you, I want to point out is that growth produces challenges. Growth always produces challenges. As you grow, you're going to get challenges. Now, you can end up being satisfied with where you are and staying where you are, or you can deal with the challenges. Here in Acts 6, there got to be some complaining. The Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews gotten into a little bit of a tiff over the fact that the Grecian Jews felt like they were being neglected. And you, if you really get down to it, 
Complaining always comes about because somebody feels they're getting neglected. Okay? It's always the same. I mean, you can put Royal Rangers and Impact in there. You can put school in there. You can put other departments of the church in there. You can put the nursery in there. You can plug in whoever you want. Grecian Jews and Hebraic Jews. The names change, but the principle remains the same. As soon as people start turning inward, they start focusing on their own weaknesses and complaining always ensues. It is a symptom of an inward gaze rather than an outward vision. Growth produces challenges. And our call as leaders is always to know what season we're in and make sure that we know what to do. All right? The sons of Iskar understood the times and seasons and knew what Israel should do. We, if we're going to be good leaders, we're going to always understand where we're at in this whole continuum and how do we bring people from where they are to where they need to be. So growth produces challenges. The second thing I want you to see is this, that challenges always demand change. Challenges always demand change. Your lid, your law of the lid that we were talking about, that we all have both personally and organizationally, your law of the lid will either hold you where you are or you learn to take that lid off and go to the next level. And change is what's necessary in order to break through the law of the lid, take it off and go to the next level. In other words, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you always had. And so we don't want to be stupid. We want to make the necessary adjustments in order to bring us into the thing that God has for us. We want to analyze where we are effectively. We don't want to blame anybody. But we want to be willing to do something about what, where we are. And I, 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 want, to, I want to challenge you in this. Because there, there are so many, and now we could talk about practical aspects to this, but I believe that the biggest hindrance to growth is vision. That's the biggest hindrance. Because vision, if you impart faith and you impart vision, people grab it. I remember when we came here to this church, there were 60 people. Stan will remember this. And I said the first Sunday I was here, I said, look around, look around. And they all looked around. I mean, we had them in a little small group down front. You remember that stand? They were sitting there in that center section. I said, look around. I said, this is the last Sunday this place will be this empty. The time will come if you don't get here soon and get here early, you won't get a seat. What was I doing? I was casting vision. I was speaking about where we're going, not where we are. You know, look around. Half the building's empty. Well, that's where we were. No, more than that, more like three-quarters of it being empty. Look around. I mean, we got enough room. I mean, we were comfortably full, room to lay down. I mean, my goodness, we had enough. We could play played kickball in the auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but we did, look, I wasn't willing to stay there. Okay? I wasn't willing to say, okay, we're going to have a nice holy huddle with our 60 people. I'm going to cast vision for something. We're going somewhere. We're not staying where we are. I was turning them out from where they are or where they currently were to where we needed to go. Vision always is out here in front, and it always demands change. Those growth challenges always will produce the need for change. Every time you come to a ceiling, 
the thing that's necessary to get you beyond where you currently are is to change some things. Shake it up. Shake it up. It's okay. Most people hate change. Most people resist change. Most people want to fight you when you change things. But it is the most healthy, life-giving thing you can do for an organization. Change it. Be willing to make some changes. If you stay where you are, you'll keep getting what you've had. The third thing I want you to see is in verse 3, is that change demands wisdom. So growth produces challenges, challenges demand change, and, ch and change demands wisdom. Always, God wants to release a creative solution to your current challenge. Now, I wish I could tell you that challenges are not going to be the story of your life. But if faith is going to be the story of your life, then I'm going to tell you there's going to always be something you're having to put your faith to work to believe God to answer. There's always going to be something. If faith is the story of our life, there's a journey of faith that we're called to. This journey is constantly demanding us to come up with wise solutions to current challenges and problems. They had a problem. They had a bunch of complaining people. And so they needed to address it. Now I want you to know something. This is where we see the deacons released. This is the first time. They, didn't, they weren't even, I mean, they had deacons before, but they didn't have deacons. There was never any formal release. This is the first time in the history of the church where we see a, a whole release of people, the average person in the pew, to the work of ministry. We're seeing it happen. They were just taking people. They weren't like special people in the sense that they had some apostolic calling on their life. They hadn't walked with Jesus. These are people that had come to Christ. These are people that were just being faithful with what God had given to them. They were carrying out what Paul says later in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 2. Uh, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit unto faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so they released these leaders. It was the wisdom of God. You see, the, the change had a demand need, and that demand need was for the wisdom of God. You see, wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to, to release not just knowledge, not just facts. But knowledge is facts. But wisdom is the ability to use those facts to produce a good result. That's wisdom. So I can have all the knowledge in the world. I can have all the education in the world. But if I don't know what to do with it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Doesn't help me at all. God wants to give you wisdom. In fact, Proverbs says this, with all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge for a successful outcome. And so these men got together, they prayed, and God gave them an idea. An idea. A wise solution. And that solution was lay hands on some other people. Release some other people to this. In other words, give away the ministry. Give away what I've given to you. You give it away to others. And I want to tell you something. You want to see growth take place in your church? Give away the ministry to somebody else. 
Thank God for where you are. But let me tell you something. If you want to go beyond where you currently are, you have to give away what you have to somebody else. You give that away. You impart that to somebody else. When you impart that to somebody else, not only do you allow for the ministry to grow, but guess what? God can now entrust you with more. You see, it's, it's to your benefit to give away what God has given to you. You know, we're, we're raising up pastors here at this church. Why? Because I don't want to get stuck in just being a pastor. I want to have vision. I want to go for what God's called me to. I want to give it away. Do I want my pastors to get stuck where they are? Absolutely not. I want you to give it away to somebody else. When you raise up leaders underneath you, do I want those leaders to get stuck where they are? No, I want them to go and give it away to somebody else. And you see, growth now becomes the byproduct rather than the primary objective. It's an interesting point. In those days when the number of what? What was multiplying? Disciples. disciples was increasing. The number of disciples was increasing. How do disciples increase? They only increase when you're giving away what God's given to you. And then the last thing is this. The growth produces challenges. Challenges demand changes. Change demands wisdom. And then the fourth thing is this. Wise change releases more growth. So the word of God spread, the number of what? Disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So as they simply implemented what God had said, not only was did the complaining stop, vision increased. They went to another level, and get, the reason I know they went to a the vision increased because the number of disciples increased. There's a direct cause and effect relationship between your vision and the number of disciples. And as that vision increased, they turned outward, growth happened. I, I want every one of our churches to grow. I want you to grow numerically. I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to grow financially. I want the number of leaders to be that you have to grow. That's going to demand some things of you. And I'll close with this thought. I want you to do an analysis. I want you to do some numerical analysis. And I'm speaking primarily to our pastors of our communities, but I'm speaking about more than just our communities. Every single one of you have leaders underneath you. And I want you to do an analysis. If you're moving forward, if you're going for more, then they ought to be manifested in some tangible ways by numbers. Numbers are not everything, but they are something. Okay? We want to analyze where we are. We want to analyze our effectiveness in laying hold of what God's called us to. How many leaders did you have a year ago? How many leaders do you have now? How many people do you have in your congregation, in your community that you're responsible for? A year ago, how many do you have now? How many salvations did you have a year ago? How many do you? How many? Of you, in other words, measure where you are and measure what you believe God, where God wants to take you. I believe God wants to grow us. Growth is healthy and important. And if we are walking in the purposes of God, we're going to grow. We're going to grow. And I don't want to get stuck in the idea that, well, if we're not growing well, God's working on me just in quality. 
Now, I appreciate the fact that God can work on me in quality. But I want to tell you something. A lot of times that becomes an excuse for getting stuck where we are. I am glad, yes, we want disciples, we want quality. But let's don't measure everything by that. Let's measure some things by quantity as well. And let's see, sure he's quiet in here. I want to see, are we being effective? Are we truly being effective? Father, I thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you that you don't want to keep us where we are. You want to take us to another level, Lord. That success is this ongoing journey of expansion and increase as you grow us and take us to what you've called us to. I pray, Lord, for our team that you would bless them, grant them amazing wisdom, Lord, in the challenges that they face. May the wise solutions be that it will release, Lord God, increased growth that we can fulfill and carry out, Lord, your purpose for our life. And I just bless them today in Jesus' name and give you thanks, Lord. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God thanks.